You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. Look, I think the projections have been fairly stable for a while, um, fairly steady growth, but not very, very high growth, and the adjustments were very small. And I think the um, the adjustments were made mainly made on um, the the load shedding outlook, you know. But what we have seen uh, recently also is uh, a lot of port and uh, logistical constraints and rail constraints. So I think that could could again have an impact on on the outlook um, more to the negative side uh, going forward. In addition to the to the load shedding challenges. As for the inflationary targets, uh, you know, uh, looking ahead, of course, uh, and and you mentioned the logistical problems that we are currently facing in addition to load shedding. Um, what is the outlook at this stage? Um, for inflation, you know, I think we're still expecting it to um, to gradually decelerate. Um, it, it has been coming down f- uh, for a year or so now. The last few months, it was a bit of a pickup again, but it was largely due to fuel prices, um, which picked up. And then yesterday, we saw the uh, consumer price inflation coming back down to 5.5, again, largely due to fuel. There is a bit of up, upside risk um, to uh, food prices because that, those have increased or accelerated um, for a, for a few months now, and um, so that's a bit more sticky than than expected. But I think that was also impacted by the avian flu that we've had, especially poultry and especially egg egg prices uh, increased quite substantially. So as soon as those effects work out, I think one one might, might see some more deceleration in food prices as well. And uh, the deceleration, of course, good news for those of us uh, who have mortgage bonds and, of course, you know, other uh, debt notes that we need to service. Uh, Does this mean that uh, we shouldn't worry about any increases in the foreseeable future? (laughs) Uh, In interest rates, you mean? In interest rates, yes. Yeah, well, I can't really comment on that as I'm not part of the Monetary Policy Committee, but... um, now they've kept the rates uh, steady now for for two meetings. Um, so I think um, as long as you know all the metrics keep moving in the right direction, you know um, that inflation keeps coming down, uh, inflation expectations also something to watch for, and then of course the exchange rate, which always plays a big part. Um, but we are also seeing, um, you know, consumer demand slowing down a bit. So, so the interest rate increases that we've seen over the last year or so is is having an impact. Mm. Speaking to an analyst yesterday, was explaining that uh, you know we're also looking at what's happening elsewhere across the world, um, and uh, you know if we perhaps see um, other countries uh, from where we also take our lead, it seems uh, that uh, there would be a decrease or cuts in um, mm. the repo rates that we would follow suit. And I've always wondered about that. Uh, why is that the case as opposed to looking at our own domestic situation? Look, I think it's it's a combination of, of looking at your domestic situation. But um, South Africa is a very, is a small and a very open economy. So we trade a lot with, with other countries. 
In other words, um, what happens in other countries has a big impact on us through the interest rate and the exchange rate channel. So we can't really ignore those factors. Um, I think what we've seen yesterday after the Federal Reserve's me uh, meeting and announcement um, to keep rates on hold, but they were a bit more dovish, saying that there might be interest rates cuts next year. So you immediately saw also the exchange rate respond and, and become a bit stronger based on that. So, it, you know, because of all these capital flows and the in interest rate differentials between us and our trading partners, it, it does have an impact. So it is definitely something that one must also watch in addition to your domestic uh, conditions. Mm. And I appreciate that. And, and I appreciate the fact that you indicated that you're not part of the MPC. But, you know, for us lay people, because when we ask to have these explanations and discussions, nobody really cares uh, to come and talk to us mm. and explain to us why things actually move the way they do. Uh, because, uh, for example, um, the Americans will do what they need to do to uh, obviously protect their economy, their citizens mm -hmm. to the best of their ability. So if they are being dovish at the moment, uh, why should that necessarily be our outlook uh, if that is not necessarily our reality at the moment? For example, when we were going mm -hmm. through these interest rate hikes at a time when so many people could not afford to service their debt, and you look at people you know, defaulting on their bond repayments, on their car notes, why was there not seemingly uh, more of an effort to cushion us as South African consumers? Um, look, I think at, at that time when our interest rates were rising, they were rising together with, with other countries, especially the U.S. So it um, and the exchange rate were under a lot of pressure. So, you know, that um, that made it a bit more difficult for us to go against the trend. And also, our own inflation rate was also um, quite high. It was outside of the target at that at that stage, above 6%. So one doesn't want that inflationary spiral to, to become entrenched um, and to go to second round effects or to wage pressures, because it's, it's much the more difficult then to break that inflation cycle. Um, and if you if you get that high inflation entrenched, it it obviously hurts your spending power, and it it actually hurts the spending power of of the poorer uh, uh, segment of society even more because they don't have any other hedge against inflation. So um, at that point, you, you know, we we moved with the the international cycle because of those interna international factors, but also because our inflation was also very high. So domestic factors also um, pointed to the same um, policy prescription. I think what's happening now with, with the Fed, um, you know, they haven't, they haven't lowered rates yet, but they've signaled a bit more dovish outlook. So that gives a bit more scope, I think, um, for us to, to, um, to um, decide next year what to do with rates, you know, because it doesn't, uh, um, it seems like that they are signaling the end of their hiking cycle. Mm. So what would happen if we went, we went against a decision um, that the Fed took, for example? So mm. I guess where I'm going with this is what is the tipping point? Uh, if you look at that uh, series of interest rate hikes, you know, what would be the tipping point for the Saab to sit back and say, hold on, we've got so many people defaulting. You know, maybe we need mm. to do something. Uh, you know, uh, maybe 
just not uh, hike, uh, hike those rates uh, regardless of what's going on elsewhere because in the domestic situation, something seems amiss. What would be that tipping point? I think, you know, it's if you're going to go against the international trend, there has to be a good uh, sort of domestic reason, like you're saying. And um, what we saw uh, over the past two years or so was that domestic growth was not very strong, but it didn't really contract. We were still growing. So it was not that we were in a severe recession, although households have started to take a bit of strain uh, recently. So, um, you know, they, there was there was still growth, and a lot of our growth constraints are structural in nature. It's not um, it's not uh, cyclical or demand driven. So, uh, you know, interest rates can't really um, assist you in fixing those structural issues like the the load shedding or the port and the rail inefficiencies. So, I think in 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 that case. Uh, it was not justified to break away from the trend. So you have you'll have to have a very good domestic reason. You know, if we had a severe recession, for instance, in the last two years, that that would have been a different story. But we didn't really. And I appreciate you speaking to us about this, Ian, because as I say, you know, oftentimes when we ask for someone from the South African Reserve Bank to come and explain to us, uh, we usually do not get a positive response. But just getting back to the bulletin, um, you know, regarding household debt, how much of an impact does unemployment and stagnant salaries, as well as inflation, have on household debt? I think it's it's you know it's about households' ability to borrow, but also um, about lending conditions. You know, so uh, employment has actually increased now for a few quarters um, up to the third quarter. So it's been it's been a, a bit one of the positives, um, but I think income growth has slowed so slowed down. So um, people's incomes have not grown as much. And because of inflation and um, the purchasing power that it takes away from you, I think it it reduces people's ability to borrow. Um, and because interest rates were higher, it's um, it's tougher to get loans because um, your your um, credit worthiness are also affected. So it's also from the bank side. Um, so I think those all of those things have have an impact on on, on people's ability to borrow. Well, Ian, just finally, um, uh, we recorded reduced foreign direct investment inflows uh, in the third quarter of this year. And uh, what were the main contributing factors to that? Yeah, the direct investment flows uh, came down slightly in the third quarter, but it was still an inflow. So it's it's still an inflow of about 40 billion. and um, from the non-resident side, there were non-resident parent companies that increased their equity holdings in, and they also granted loans to resident subsidiaries. So um, that means money is flowing from um, outside of the country to into the country as these parent companies uh, give loans to their subsidiaries and buy more equity. And then there was also a domestic company, a technology company that reduced its shareholding um, in a non-resident subsidiary. So it sold some of the shares in the subsidiary. So that also led to some of a more of an inflow. Um, so as I said, still still a fairly strong inflow in the in the third quarter, but a little bit less than than the previous quarter. 
Well, thank you so much for your time and for your indulgence there, Ian Fenter, Head of Business Cycle Analysis Unit at the South African Reserve Bank. Uh, South African consumers, uh, according to the latest bulletin, are struggling with debt levels and less disposable income each month. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 Nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.